When we're connected with Jesus, we're blessed. We have a life that's filled with, uh, soaked in satisfaction and consumed with contentment. And one of the opportunities and one of the uh, areas of our church on mission is to help everyone connect with Jesus. That's our goal. We, we're here today, not just so that you and I can sit and sing a great song about shouting Jesus on, in the mountains and Jesus on the street, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. You know, that's great, man. That fires me up. But friends, to shout Jesus from the mountains and in the streets and in the darkness means that we're helping people who are not connected to Jesus, see their their need to connect to Jesus. It's not us sitting in a holy cocoon acting like, well, I'm safe and everybody else is in trouble. It is us who are safe and saved by Jesus going out and doing everything that we can to help others find blessing in the only source from which blessing flows, and that is in relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. So, church, our mission as a church isn't to sit and soak all the wonderful things that we sit and soak every week. Our mission is to sit and soak so that we can go out on mission and help others find that connection to Jesus. That's why we do Vacation Bible School. Come on! I don't know who else is going to say yes, yes, yes to VBSSS, but I am. Vacation Bible School. It isn't just a little blip on the screen of uh, of First Norfolk's calendar. Vacation Bible School, in my opinion, is one of the top three mission efforts that we do every year. It is the church mobilized for five days, three hours a day, helping children and families connect to Jesus Christ. We want to invite, we want to help others who are in our community and in our families encounter Jesus through Vacation Bible School. Today, I want you to know that God is already preparing children and families and drawing them to himself through what will happen at Vacation Bible School this year. Vacation Bible School is happening in a few weeks, but today, this day, this very, very day, At 4 o'clock, we have leadership training. And friends, we need leaders. We need um, scores of leaders for the hundreds of children that will be with us during the week of Vacation Bible School. And so I want to challenge you at 4 o'clock to join us uh, here for leadership training. And you might say, well, I haven't registered. I don't know if I know. You come, and we we will guilt you into joining Listen, it is, it is um, my first week as pastor at First Baptist Church Norfolk. The very first week that I was pastor was Vacation Bible School week. The very first week. And guys, I want you to know I haven't slowed down or stopped since then in being excited about what God does through Vacation Bible School. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't miss the opportunity to lead a class or to be a support leader in a class so that those children can hear about Jesus and you can play a part in their eternal destiny 
Through Vacation Bible School, we set the trajectory for these children and their families. So I want to encourage you to be a part. Four o'clock today, leadership training, don't miss it. Now, in order to motivate and encourage you, we've got t-shirts. Now, these t-shirts are primarily for children. But as you can tell, I'm a child at heart. So if you want to wear them, that's fine. I'm going to chunk these out. These are Vacation Bible School t-shirts. Now, on the mezzanine, which is Grand Lobby, up one floor in the middle, there are t-shirts for sale. You can get your t-shirts. But here we have some that... Is there one still? Did y'all pick that one up? Isn't there one that dropped? You got it? Okay. All right. That's all I got this week. If we can talk Miss Julian to let me throw out some more, we'll get a t-shirt cannon or something. <laughs> Vacation Bible School. Guys, we haven't even gotten excited yet. It's, it's getting ready to happen. It hadn't happened yet. I am so excited. All right. So, we want to experience blessing in our life. We want to live a blessed life. Every person wants to live a blessed life. Uh, To have a blessed life uh, means that our life is soaked in satisfaction despite our circumstances. So many of us define blessing by good circumstances. No, the way the Bible defines blessing is beyond our circumstances. We're satisfied even when our circumstances stink. We're satisfied. We have a life that's soaked in satisfaction, we have a life that is consumed with contentment because we are connected to Jesus. And over the last several weeks, we've looked at who Jesus is and how that leads to our blessing. We've seen that Jesus gives us good news that delivers joy to our lives. He brings hope in dark times. He is our help when we're helpless. He seeks our good. He dismantles our fear. He defeats evil, and he delivers us from despair. That's who Jesus is and what he does. Today in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41, we're looking at a classic passage on how Jesus dismantles our fear. I don't know what fears you have. I enjoy watching a TV show called Monk. I don't know how many of y'all have ever watched Monk. I love watching Monk because Mr. Adrian Monk is scared of everything. He's afraid of uh, elevators. He's afraid of every germ known or imagined. He's afraid of dirt. He's afraid of, of, uh, uh, of, of elevators. He's afraid of bees, and he's afraid of bees in blenders. He's afraid of everything. I, I, I can't hardly identify with him, but it's fun to watch him go through all the challenges that his fears create. Each of us have our own set of fears. Each of us have our own set of fears that can, um, uh, that can be an irritation or they can be a dominant force in our lives. If you have agoraphobia, you will not go outside. You're watching online today. And, and, and I know that that fear can consume and control 
Um, many of us spend way too much time doom scrolling on our social media devices or watching the news, and doomsday is so consuming our idea and thought about today or tomorrow that we are captured in fear. Fear can be a dominant force, not just an irritation. Fear, in, in simple terms, fear is the pain of our heart or mind or body, the pain of our heart, mind, or body over uncertainty about today or tomorrow. Now, your fears may be rational. Your fears may be irrational. I have at least one irrational fear. You can ask any of my children. You can ask my wife. My irrational fear is ticks. Y'all know ticks? A tick is a little bug that gets on you and it digs its head in your skin and it sucks blood out. It's a vampire. It's the size of a, oh, it's not even a, a, a two millimeters wide. It is just, it, it's just that. But you can ask my family, if I see a tick uh, on my body or around my body, you will hear me say, tick, tick. I'm scared of them. I break out a blowtorch <laughs> to get rid of ticks. Now, whatever your fear is, we all have fears. Uh, my, uh, I, have a, I, ha- I have two granddaughters. One of them is Lucy, who is a few months old, and the other is Nora, who's three years old. And uh, one of the movies that Nora has uh, come to enjoy is a movie called Monsters, Inc., Monsters, Inc. is about a a really main character, a guy named Sully, who is a big, blue, cuddly-looking monster. And uh, in this monster world, they uh, travel through children's doors uh, into children's rooms to scare the children. And they've been told that if they, uh, as they scare children, it brings electricity to the monster world. And then it all unfolds and good things happen. But The goal to power Monster World is through fear, and and I, you know, I I think we see that today. We have a lot of people that are powering their platform with fear, and we're screaming and frightened and afraid. Whatever your fears, though, whatever they may be, as large or as small, as irrational or rational, whatever your fear, here's what Jesus teaches us today. He is the Lord over all creation, and He dismantles fear. I want you to look, verse 35 and following. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took Jesus along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm, that term windstorm is the same term that could be used for squall, or uh, we would call it a northerner, northerner, or a, a hurricane. It's the same word. There's a windstorm that arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling up. Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. 
And they, the disciples, awoke Jesus and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. And Jesus said to them, the disciples, Why are you so afraid? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Uh, This morning, I want us to look at how Jesus is the Lord of creation and how he dismantles our fear. When we are connected to Jesus, we are blessed because he dismantles our fear. Now, before I get into that, can I just give you a little little, uh, freebie? Uh, We often wonder why it is that God allows us to go through a storm like he did these disciples. By the way, Jesus planned for his disciples to be in the boat in a storm. He planned that. Jesus knows weather. Uh, He knows all things. He can definitely predict the weather. He knew what was going to happen. He knew how it was going to happen. And the disciples were freaking out. But here's here's the, sometimes, sometimes, Jesus puts us in a boat so that we'll be in a storm so that we can see him more clearly and trust him more faithfully. Another thing, that this is all free. Every miracle that Jesus does is in response to a problem that you and I have. He didn't just perform miracles just to do a miracle. He performed miracles to answer problems. So if you got a lot of problems, you got a lot of fears, you are a prime candidate for Jesus to do a miracle. Take hold of that. All right. So all that, that was free. That wasn't, that, that was just free. All right. So now let's look at this passage. I want us to break apart this passage. And then the last two verses are going to be pointed to application for you and me. How do we apply this passage? So the first thing I want us to see is there was a great storm. It's a great storm. Again, it was typhoon force. There were among the disciples in the boat. Now, this boat was about seven, eight feet wide and 20 some odd feet long. It, it was powered by four, uh, four sets of oars, three sets of oars, and, uh, and it had a sail that you could put on it. And the disciples, at least four of them, were fishermen who had spent a lot of time in the Sea of Galilee. If you were to go to the Sea of Galilee today and you were to go to one of the little shops around the Sea of Galilee, uh, you were parked at that at one of those shops, and and uh, you were to uh, uh, go into one of those shops. You would see these signs that says, um, uh, "If a storm comes, make sure that you park your car not in the lower parking lot, but the upper parking lot, because the lower parking lot is going to get flooded with a great storm." You go out on the Sea of Galilee; they have signs, storms will happen unexpectedly. And that's because the Sea of Galilee is like a teacup. It's, it's uh, the, the water uh, part is below sea level, and then it has mountains all around it. Some go all the way up to 9,000 uh, feet. And because of that, the, 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 uh, the storm will be sudden and sweep through. Now, these fishermen among the disciples, they understood that the Sea of Galilee was a, 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 a temperamental kind of lady, and, and they, would, they would be expectant of a storm. But because they were veteran uh, fishermen and they, veteran sailors, they weren't scared by any old storm. 
Just because it was windy didn't mean that they were afraid. Just because the, 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 it was rocky didn't mean that they were afraid. When they cry out, we're perishing, those fishermen are saying, it's bad. It's really, really, really bad. The storm was great. So I want you to see the greatness of the storm. I also think we need to understand the greatness of peace that's present here. There is great peace. Not among the disciples. They were freaking out. There was peace with Jesus. Jesus, the only place in Scripture where it's recorded that Jesus is sleeping is during a hurricane. And he planned it that way. Jesus knew knew that the weather was going to get bad, so he brought along a pillow to help him sleep. Jesus rested peacefully in the midst of the storm. He was was cool. He was fine because he knew that he was in the grip of perfect love that casts out fear. He was in the grip of his father and his father's care. Jesus was unconcerned. He knew that he had come on a mission to bring forgiveness to sinners through his death on the cross And his resurrection from the dead. He knew that his mission wasn't uh, complete. He knew that the Father was taking care of him. He was okay. He had peace. We want that kind of peace. Do we have that kind of peace? We have a great storm. We have great peace. But I also want you to see that there's great fear. There's great fear. The disciples are freaking out. They're they're absolutely losing their mind. They're they're, they're seeing the storm. They're they're rowing against the waves. They're they're trying to navigate, and the wind is blowing. Things are falling to pieces. They're falling to pieces, and Jesus is sleeping. And they say, teacher, do you not care that we're dying here? Don't you care? The fear of the disciples is really the fear that we have in everyday life. It doesn't have to be a hurricane-force storm, but, but we need to understand that even in a hurricane-force storm, Jesus, the Lord of creation, can dismantle our fear and chase it away. There's a great storm. There's great peace that Jesus had. There's great uh, fear that the disciples had and that we can relate to. By the way... They said, don't you care that we're perishing? And not, a, not a great question. Not, not a great question. In, in, in essence, they're rebuking Jesus. They'd seen Jesus um, teach with authority that no one else had taught with. They, they, they've seen Jesus heal Simon's mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law. They, they've seen Jesus take a paralytic and put strength in his legs that he had never found before and walk. They they had seen Jesus do miraculous things, and yet when the storm is raging against them, they're like, don't you care about me? Don't give the disciples too much grief because we all say things that aren't very smart. The difference is that the disciples say uh, things that aren't very smart, and it's put in the Bible so that it's read over and over and over again for 2,000 years. When I say something not very smart, like I do almost every week, very few of you go back to replay what I said. And Jesus, he looks at his disciples, and he's like, where have you been? 
And do you not know who I am? I'm not kind of a big deal. I am a big deal. Jesus stands up in the boat. So we have a great storm. We have great peace that Jesus had. Great fear that the disciples had. Now look at the greatness of Jesus, the Lord over creation. He stands up in the boat. And he says, peace, be still. It's the kind of thing that you would say, we have a, uh, we have a little dog, a little chihuahua named Lola. Lola's a wonderful little chihuahua. And, and, and even though I act like I don't care about Lola, I do care about Lola. Lola's, Lola's precious. But if Lola does things that, like, wants to get up in bed, and I don't want Lola to be up in bed, you know what I say, get down. Or Lola's barking at the door, and, and I don't want Lola barking, go lay down on your bed. I'll rebuke Lola. That's how Jesus rebuked the storm. He said, would you stop and be quiet? Go to your room. He put the storm in time out. And the storm obeyed. The wind stopped. The waves stopped. Everything became a sudden calm. Because the Lord of creation spoke. Now, as we look at this story, I want you to know, first of all, this is not a mythic Story. This isn't like uh, Moby Dick, written by Herman Melville. This isn't 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne. This isn't Monsters, Inc. put on by Pixar. This is a real story. It occurred in real time. It happened with the historical Jesus, who is the Lord over creation. It happened among his 12 disciples sitting in the boat, tossed to and fro. It happened with the real wind and the real wave. And Jesus spoke and creation obeyed. And that is the point of this story. The point of the story is when Jesus commands, creation obeys. But then Jesus turns to his disciples and he turns to us. And this is the application. This is what I I think the Lord would have us take with us. We want Jesus to dismantle our fear, but he's a Lord of creation. He's ready to dismantle our fear. What is getting in the way of us... um, Uh, living fearlessly. Well, here's what Jesus said to his disciples. Verse 40. Why are you so afraid? Jesus is asking you, whatever it is that's wrapping you up in fear, If you're a follower of Jesus, he's asking you, why are you so afraid? I know that there are many things over which we can be afraid. Every Tuesday, I get the privilege of praying for you. 
And, and, and I invite you and encourage you and, and plead with you. It's my delight to pray for you, and, and, and I want you to let me know how to pray for you. And, and you get one of those blue cards at the end of the rows or in the racks in front of you. You take one of those blue cards today, and you write down on the blank side any prayer request that you might have. You don't have to sign it or anything like that, but you write down your prayer request. You put it in the offering box as you leave, or you uh, take it to the next step station, or you bring it to me, and, and I will be praying for you next week. But as I pray for you every week, primarily on Tuesdays, I read. The, I read what's going on. The fears caused by cancer. The fears caused by loss. The fears caused by fractured relationships. Fears caused by change that's happening, whether it's moving to a new house or trying to find a house or a lost job, more money pay the bills that keep rising. I understand. I do. And I want you to know that Jesus still asks us, even in the face of those real life fears, He says, why are you so afraid? How is it that you have no faith? See, the key, I think, the key for us experiencing Jesus dismantling our fears is to trust Jesus who offers a power-filled peace. We've got to trust Jesus. If we're going to experience our fears diminish and be dispelled, then we must first trust Jesus who offers a power-filled peace. And that really was the rebuke. He's saying, look, why are you so afraid? Why aren't you believing in me? The, the disciples should have known that they could trust Jesus. They've seen what he's already done. He's defended them, by the way, already. He's defended them in front of the religious leaders. He's, he's gone to bat for them. And, and, and next week, we're going to see him go with his disciples to a, 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 a place where there's a demoniac that nobody can control, and Jesus dismantles the demoniac, the, the demons inside the demoniac so that the man returns in his right mind. And then right after that, we're going to see how Jesus dismantles death itself. The disciples should have known that they could trust Jesus, even though the storm was raging, even though the wind was whipping. By the way, it's hard. It's hard to exercise faith when the sound and fury of the storm is ringing in your soul and in your ears. It's hard. But that's when we need to trust Jesus more. The disciples should have known that they could trust Jesus. Rather than saying, why don't you care? They should have said, hey, hey Jesus, Jesus, we're getting a little nervous here. Could you? A little help. No, they were freaking out so that they were just rebuking Jesus, the Lord of creation. They weren't trusting him. 
They didn't believe that he was in control. What about you? You know what I hear a lot? I hear about the chaos and the anarchy in our nation. A lot. From believers. As though Jesus isn't in control anymore. Come on. I get, I get the thoughts. I do. I get anxious about them too. But to act as if Jesus is no longer in control... Where's your faith? And I also understand that because we put our faith in a political party or a political system uh, rather than in Jesus, we're getting a result like we're getting. And, and what we need to do is we need to start, uh, uh, I'm not saying ignore the political system. I'm just saying understand it's secondary or, or tertiary. It's, it's not even on the scene of things or people I'm going to trust. You're going to put your trust in a politician? Really? No, 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 no. I'm going to put my trust in Jesus, the Lord of creation. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to live life the way he tells me, but I'm going to trust him. Just, just a couple of verses, okay? Just, just, just a couple of verses. Uh, Romans eight thirty one. If God is for us, <laughs> who can be against us? Come on, put your trust in Jesus. He'll take care of you. Psalm 34, verse 8. And I want to get this one right, so I'm going, to, I'm going to actually look at it before without trying to quote it. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, oh, his saints. There is no lack for those who fear him. Taste and see that Jesus, he is good. And if you trust him, you will be blessed. And if you fear him, you will not lack. Come on. Philippians. You knew this one was coming, didn't you? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Be anxious for zip, zero, nilch, nada. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God will, uh, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Jesus, when we put our trust in him, he chases away our fear and he surrounds us in a blanket of peace filled with his power. But you've got to trust him. And I know we struggle with trust sometimes. I, I know we do. And maybe what needs to happen today is you need to join me and say, you know, Jesus, I'm, I'm struggling with trust. The storm is raging or the the wind is howling. The chaos is, is roiling all around me. And, and it, it's hard for me to trust uh, even you in this. But I want to trust. Will you awaken the faith in me to trust you in this particular circumstance? Remember, fear is pain of our heart or our mind or our body over the uncertainty of today and tomorrow. But we don't have to live uncertain in uncertain times. 
Because we have a certain king. His name is Jesus who is for us. And if he's for us, what can stand against us? Trust Jesus who offers power-filled peace. And then the second, second thing, verse 41. The disciples, they, they heard Jesus say, you know, why are you afraid? Where, why is it you have no faith? And, and, and then they said, uh, they feared him. Now, fear in verse 41 is different than the afraid of verse 40. Fear in verse 41 is uh, the fear of the Lord. It's all reverence, respect. It's a picture of, yeah, he's, this is Jesus. And, and as, uh, as uh, 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 Mr. Beaver said to Susan in uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis, if you don't get this, just ignore what I'm saying. I mean, talking about Aslan, who is the Christ figure in, in C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, Mr. Beaver said that Aslan was coming, and Susan said, who is Aslan? She said, he said, well, he's the lion, he's the king. And, and Susan asked, is he safe? And, and Mr. Beaver said, well, no, he's a lion, but he's good. When we look to Jesus, we need to understand that, man, he is the Lord of creation. He is the king of glory. So the second, second point that I want us to really lean into here is not only trust Jesus who offers us power-filled peace, but also live in awe of Jesus and his greatness every single day. Live in awe. Live in fear of Jesus. There is a good fear. This fear that says uh, Jesus is the center of the universe and I am his servant. That's, that's a good fear. The disciples, they, they looked at Jesus and they said, this, who is this guy? Who is this guy that the wind and the wave obey him? And I, can I tell you who this guy is? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything in creation that was made was made by the Word, Jesus. He is the creator of the cosmos. Do you know that um, scientists... Astronomers, not astrologers. Astrology is the weird stuff. Astronomy is the science. Is that correct or is it vice versa? Okay, so astronomers and scientists, they estimate that there are 200 sextillion stars in the universe. 200 sextillion. Now, sextillion is one that you can't wrap your... It is 200 with 21 zeros after it. That's how many stars there are in the universe. I go out to the Smoky Mountains and I sit in the, in the wilderness there and I look up, if it's a clear sky, I see a, a canopy of beautiful lights and stars that are filling the heavens. But you know, I only see about 6,000 out of 200 sextillion. When the disciples said, who is this that the wind and wave obey him? Can I tell you, he's the one who made the 200 sextillion. And he created them and he put them right in their orbit just as he desired. He created the galaxies of the universe and the stars in those galaxies and the, and, and the solar systems within those galaxies and those stars. He is the one who put the creation in place. He knows the stars and he can name them. And he knows you. And he cares about you. 
but he is the Lord. I think part of our challenge sometimes is that that we fail to understand that I am not the center of the universe. When I think that I am the center of the universe, then anything that happens that that is um, like a storm in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, I think, what, 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 hey, how can this happen to me? God, how can this happen to me? But Jesus was in the boat. And he was like, dude, it's not happening to you. It's happening because I planned it this way. To teach you how to trust me even when things are going nasty. You know, God allows us to get in the boat with Jesus and go on a stormy sea and face difficulties and um, despairing moments, not because he's a sadist, but because he wants us to grow in our faith in Jesus. When we live in the fear of the Lord, when we see Him as the center of the universe so that I adjust my life to fit what He wants, when we have the kind of fear that the disciples discovered after seeing Jesus calm the wind and the wave, if you and I will live in that kind of fear, then we won't be controlled by other fears. Living in the fear of the Lord dismantles all other fears so that we live in security even when it's uncertainty that we face. So, how how does that work? Y'all know Amazing Grace, right? The song, Amazing Grace. First verse, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Verse 2. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear. The hour I first believed. Verse 1, I'm saved by God's grace. I'm brought into a relationship with God. Jesus has rescued me from the penalty of my sin. And made me fit for God's family. The one who died for me, I've placed my faith in him. I've turned from my sin. I've trusted in Jesus and he saved me. I'm a son. I'm a daughter in the family of God. Verse 1. Verse 2. It's that grace that saved me that also taught me to fear. Twas grace that taught my soul to fear. Fear who? Fear God, fear Jesus, to live in the fear of the Lord. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace, 
my fears relieved. See, when we live in the fear of the Lord, it changes us. It gives us courage in the face of uncertainty. It is God's grace through Jesus Christ that secures us. I had Nora with us this past week for a few days, and one night I was walking upstairs, and Grandmommy was with Nora in bed. And Nora didn't want to go to sleep, but it was time to go to sleep. And I just, I just stood outside the door, and I listened. As Nora talked to Grandmommy, and Grandmommy talked to Nora. Her fears were soothed. Her complaints were addressed. And she felt loved. Guys, that's what Jesus wants to do with us today. He wants to chase away our fears. But we need to rest our lives in his embrace. Will you join me in trusting our fears into the hands of the Lord of creation? He can handle it. And you can trust him. Bow your heads with me, please. The only way we can have our fears dismantled is by connecting to Jesus. When we're connected to Jesus, we're blessed. The only way we can connect with Jesus is by acknowledging that our sin has separated us from Him. Turning from our sin and trusting in Jesus. Asking Him to forgive our sin, to apply what He did on the cross as payment for our sin. If you've never done that today, I invite you to do that. I invite you to come to Christ and beg his forgiveness and find God's great mercy. If you are a follower of Jesus today, I want to I challenge you to join me in just trusting Jesus. Things might not be working the way you want them to work, but Jesus has got you. The storm may be raging, but the wind and the waves still answer to the voice of Jesus. Rest in his embrace and find peace as you live each day in awe of his greatness. Now, Father, I pray that you would nourish our souls with your presence and that you would speak to us and it's in the name of Jesus we pray Amen